the son's heart, the prodigal son's heart, is transformed, and he returns. He repents and comes home. And the good son, it went in the sign of someone else's goodness, the evil within him is manifested, right? The the yeah. jealousy, the the envy, the uh the lack of feeling loved by the father, all of this comes out. And it was like, well, the 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 older son's behavior was perfect, right? All all of his life, mm-hmm. and yet his heart had not yet been healed. <laughs> Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name yes. is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined yes. here in studio with Brad Pierron What's and up, Aaron Richards. Life I, is good. The, the knuckles. That's a, that's a different it's one. A I new, like it. Yeah, it's uh, just making sure we don't touch each other anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah no more high fives. We, there are few, the fewer sign, germs on the knuckle. The sign of peace has become so complicated at mass. Like, I don't know so ridiculous. Like, what to do you wink at twice. the moment. Yeah. What, what do you it, think? It makes you, it less you weird if you, if you wink once. It is kind of weird. If you wink twice, they know it's for what do you think? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, where's, yeah. The, where's the threshold where physical contact becomes appropriate between individuals at the sign of peace? <laughs> I don't know. Just curious. Yeah. Just curious. Question. So like I just I just look and see, are you feeling as awkward as I am? And if we're both feeling awkward, I don't shake the hand. If there's a sense of non-awkwardness, then I reach out to shake the hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but hey. Thank you so much for <laughs> no, joining us today. Yeah, last week we we hit on the power of tithing, and mm-hmm. today we're going to talk about repentance. Really, this is the season of Lent, and uh, part of Lent is fasting and repentance. It's about almsgiving. We're we're hitting these key elements of our Lenten journey, and so I appropriate. Uh, I love repentance. It's, it's one of my favorite topics. I think it's it's something that um, people are often afraid to talk about, and uh, I am. Just just really excited for this show. So, Aaron, do you want to open us in prayer? Yeah, I did. I did a uh, I did a Damascus Night Live episode uh, last year during the pandemic. Two years ago during the pandemic, as Old Man Man. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. So for our listeners who have Talk no idea what Old Man Man is, can you please <laughs> explain the most bitter? Terrible character. So that's ever made its way. We, to we a often stage. have characters in our ministry, like from youth ministry and stuff like that. One of the early characters was Aaron turning into a superhero <laughs> instead of Superman. He was old man man with all of the powers inherent. And being an old man. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, his old man character was a very bitter, angry. Could you just, for our audience, no, just give no, 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 please one so. one example of But what, I will say if you go if you go to Damascus Night Live, you can you can watch the reruns. But how does this uh, have to do with repentance? Because because I, I gave a I gave a monologue about my favorite season of the year being Lent. Oh. <laughs> that just, would be fitting for old man man because he loves repentance. Loves the taste of ashes and sorrow. <laughs> Okay, let's pray. In the name oh, of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, we we love you. Um, we love you, Lord, and we love how opportunities for repentance are opportunities for relationship with you. Lord, teach us the meaning of what it of what it uh, takes to turn around, so that we can um, come back into right relationship with you. Jesus, I pray that even in the course of today's conversation, that hearts will be inspired to return to you. Lord, that we will receive um, the conviction that you speak when your Holy Spirit comes to encounter our hearts. Uh, Lord, move in power. Pray that these words would uh, would pierce our hearts, mm-hmm. and that uh, that Lord, 
your your purpose in every opportunity for a podcast or for formation would always be return and relationship. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 In the Father, Father, Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, that amen. was an awesome prayer. Thanks. Um, let's just start with um, kind of a conversation on what is repentance <laughs> like when when we when we talk about repentance what are we talking about yeah i, I think the first thing i i think of whenever i hear that question is that we we need to redefine the bounds of repentance like i think that oftentimes the reason that repentance becomes something that old man man loves or like the reason that re, the, <laughs> reason, like, <laughs> the reason that like I, I think repentance gets a bad rap is because it's always heard in the context of like a fire and brimstone type conversation mm-hmm. that you need to repent or you will burn like yeah. similar to that type of messaging and i think that it it does repentance a disservice because like that's not where the bounds of repentance stop they yeah. actually go in like if we just take the those artificial, I don't know, walls or um, barriers out and see how far repentance goes. Of course, like there's a context whereby repentance leads us to not face eternity without God, which is great. Important. Really, really good, right? (laughs) But there's also a place where repentance goes into these other areas of our life. And um, yeah, and I I know that so many of our listeners have probably heard this before, and I know we've talked about this before, but um, repentance, there's there's so many ways that you can actually take the derivative of repentance and translate it. And one of the translations is to turn, yeah. right? That, that like, right now I'm facing this way. And the Lord in his infinite goodness will give me opportunities in my life to turn, yeah. to shift my lens, to shift my frame of reference, to look in a different direction. Because yeah. when I look in a different direction, I see the infinite God differently. And that's really important. And I also see what I was like, once seeing is not as important as when my gaze was focused on it. And so it actually allows us to rid ourselves of idols, rid ourselves of like preconceived notions and like all those things. But anyway, I think at least um, for me, that's an important place to start with repentance is to actually get rid of the fact that uh, to get rid of the, I guess, case that we've always heard it in this context and to see that it actually goes into so many more areas of our life. Yeah, it's a, it's beautiful because usually we it's in our minds it is the bad news that precedes the good news, but it's actually mm-hmm. the very first word of the good news yeah. that like Jesus says, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." Repent and, so, and believe in the gospel. Yeah, like all it, the- it is. This is this is the this is the first part of the good news, and so what do we see it as good news? Mm-hmm. Man, like mm-hmm. you're giving us the opportunity to repent, and it's that whole idea of the, a turning back to the gaze of Christ. And mm-hmm. I think just if 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 our eyes were fixed on Christ, imagine what our life would be like, right? Mm-hmm. And it, uh, like just to to see one glimpse of the glory of God, one glimpse of the power and the majesty and the beauty of God, and when we see just one iota of His beauty, mm-hmm. every everything it, it changes right yeah. and then yeah. the uh, you could hear like almost in the sense of like i see your glory and now all that's not of glory just falls off mm-hmm. of me mm-hmm. and it's that just a sometimes it's okay i need to turn mm-hmm. so i can actually fix my, my gaze my, on you. my favorite uh my one of my favorite experiences that i was i was sharing with uh with a men's book study this morning i think i experienced this at, at least once a week mm-hmm. like a practical application for this um, for this idea of metanoia is when mm-hmm. is when you're walking down the street at least this is my life and I see I see a piece of trash on the ground mm-hmm. and I walk by it Uh-oh. oh here's and, a moment of repentance and, and then there's like there's I don't know three four five seconds that feels like an eternity in my mind of like jumping through somersaults trying to convince myself why it's important that I not pick up this piece of trash 
and then and then repentance is the point at which you stop yeah. <laughs> and you turn around and you and you begin to walk backwards like it's mm-hmm. it's it's where yeah it's where momentum in the wrong direction has ceased yes and there's a turn toward momentum in the right direction yeah. that's right so uh yeah it, it's you know that that's that's like the that's that's the moment of repentance it's it's where mm-hmm. it's the point at which i realize i'm driving the wrong way down this road and I need to I need to make a decision like a yes. move of my will yeah. in order to stop the car yeah and then the moment like you're you're dreading that turn up until you get there and then the <laughs> moment you make it you realize yeah. you're in, you're moving in the right direction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, and your gaze your gaze turns back yeah. I think that there's something so important about our gaze like the Lord in all the saints like there's just something about where we're gazing like that's why they gaze upon his majesty in the sanctuary it's why we have in the catholic church the beautiful crucifixes everywhere and the amazing stained glass windows and like because there's something about our gaze like that to which we fix our gaze on is that to which our heart is already set to right like Hmm. what i'm what i'm looking at like and what i'm like diving into like that that's actually going to start forming my heart. So this this gaze shift, like even in that example, right? It's like, I'm focusing on everything else but that. But then I turn back and I see yeah. this one thing that's actually important for that moment. And when the Lord shifts our gaze like that, it, it's important for us to actually give him the opportunity to leave our gaze there. I think that's another important part of repentance, yeah. right? Is that like, it would be one thing for me to turn around and to look at the piece of trash and go, it would have been better for me to pick that up. Yeah, It's an entirely different thing to say, it would have been better for me to pick it up, but I can actually pick it up right now, yeah. right? Like there's this like actionable step whenever our gaze shifts, but yeah, well, repentance I think, can be I think framed that way. Really interesting. So the how do we talk about repentance? Do we talk about repentance of you need to pick up the trash or mm-hmm. like what happened in your mind and your heart that led you exactly. to turn yeah, back right. around? And I think when we look at the gospels, when we look at... Um, the way the Lord presents repentance, it's it's not it's not about all the things you're doing. It's mm-hmm. about the person that you are and whether or not your heart is in the right place. I just I want to reflect a little bit just on the idea of repentance being a, a transformation of the human heart and, and the mind. Right that um, that uh, in Ezekiel thirty seven, the Lord says, "I will sprinkle clean water over you and make you clean from all of your impurities and from all of your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart." and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you so that you can walk in my statutes, observe my ordinances, and keep them. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all of your impurities. Mm -hmm. So the Lord's saying the key to actually keeping his statutes, to observing his ordinances, uh, is that we would have a transformed heart and that we would be filled with his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, those two elements are critical in order to actually be able to repent. And so yeah. it's almost like, okay, Lord, you have to do something <laughs> in me first, like to transform my heart so that I can have a full repentance of my actions and my behaviors yeah. and my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the two things he's pointing out is, well, I want to I wanna change your heart and I want to fill you with my spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's funny, even um, this phraseology, so, so God... A number of times in scripture, a number of meaningful times says those words, you will be, I will be your God, you'll be my people. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> sometimes it's, sometimes it's, I will be your God and then you will be my people. And other times it's like here, you'll be my people and then I will be your God. <laughs> and I think that um, though, even the way we interpret that phrase can, can be meaningful. Like, you know, there's this, there's a sense, I think when we see it 
as written here, that first I'm required to behave a certain way mm. before I can actually belong in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, even in this in this passage, taken in appropriate context, it's like, I will do this for you. I will do this for you. I will give you my spirit. Yeah. I will pour out my, yeah. my life in you <laughs> so that you can be my people. Yeah. And yeah. then I will be your God. Like we, we, we never, we never act first yeah. in relationship with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that we, we fall prey to that even in our own minds sometimes that, okay, like it's all about me. So I need, I need to make sure that I, all of my behaviors are shifted. And that's, I've been really pondering a lot. Like what, what comes first, right? Does mm-hmm. repentance come first and then you encounter God or does encounter come first and mm-hmm. then you're able to repent? And yeah. uh, and I, I just wonder, like, as I reflect on, it was actually like probably a month ago at Mass, I was just, the first reading was being read. And I would usually think of like this idea of, okay, first you repent from your sin mm-hmm. and that enables you to enter into the courts of the Lord for an encounter yeah. with him, right? Yeah. And it was so interesting, the first reading and then the second reading, both of them were highlighting encounters and both of those encounters with God led people to mm-hmm. fall to their knees in repentance. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. What if What if it's uh, it, it's not I need to get rid of all this bad behavior so that I can encounter mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. but that I encounter the glory of God, and because of that, my life is transformed and yeah. the bad behaviors well, are gone. And, and wouldn't that make sense with the source and summit type language, the alpha and omega type language? Like he's the first mover and he's also the aim, right? Yeah. So like if he's the source and the summit, he's the source that I encounter to repent so that I can encounter him again, which will take me to the summit of his presence, right? Yeah. So he's the source and the summit. He's the alpha and the omega. He's on the front end and the back end mm-hmm. yeah. of repentance. And I, I think that um, as as both of you were talking, I, I was just getting this um, call back to what we were saying at the very beginning. I guess what I was saying at the very beginning of like, we've, we've wrongly structured repentance for so long. And I think part of it's because like, we're making it about avoidance and not about attainment. Yeah. Like repentance isn't about like avoiding things primarily. Yeah. It's about attaining something yeah. primarily. That that when I repent, when I let go, I have capacity to hold. Like if I had things in my hand right now and you were trying to hand me something, if I if I saw what you had is better than what I have, it's not about necessarily avoiding this yeah. as much as it's about attaining what you have, which obviously requires an avoidance of having these things mm-hmm. in my hand. But I think mm. when we frame it as a purpose appeal and not a fear appeal, I think that matters. Yeah. That like there is a purpose for you on the other side of repentance mm. instead of fearing what would be on the other side if you don't repent. Like I think that that appeal just comes to the human heart and it's invitational. It's saying the Lord is providing a grace in your life that you're even interested in this thing. And from that grace, he wants you to turn and he wants you to think differently and he wants you to act differently and he wants you to give your life to him, right? And that will bring purpose, right? And yes, of course, if you did it the other way, you would be less happy, less satisfied. Mm. But aside from all that, you would be absent this purpose that really matters. So anyway, I think to your point, Dan, like when we think about it that way, I can actually think about, okay, God's presence is here with me right now. And it's inviting me into repentance. So this encounter in this moment is leading me to repent, which leads me to a more whole, a more full, a more complete encounter on the other side. Yeah. I think uh, what I'm hearing, Brad, is just that repentance is a gift. It's like this Hmm. grace that I receive from the Lord to to transform my heart into his heart. And like the... Well, at least the capacity for it. Yeah. The capacity to repent is... 
Yeah, exactly. A and it's just and it's this, a choice. It's this idea that man, like the Lord loves me so much that he he is calling me into repentance. So this is mm-hmm. this is the good news of the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Like mm-hmm. this is the, mm-hmm. the it's now like the the kingdom is present and because the kingdom is present and I can taste it and I can feel it and I can touch it. It's at hand. Yeah. Like my heart is able to be transformed. Something better is here. Right? Yeah. Like um oh man, I'm forgetting the the gospel, but that's okay. But when Jesus is like, um, oh, but but something better is here, right? Yeah. But something better than the temple is here or whatever he says there, like something better is here. Like the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Like um, you can actually rid yourself of that other way of looking at that other way of doing at that other way of knowing yeah. because something better is here, you know? So let's just dive into if repentance is a gift and we're so blessed to be able to to repent. Like I think if we we rid ourselves of the lies that repentance is some sort of like this obligation we have to do and this role list and this these behaviors that we have to avoid, but instead it's actually part of the process that God wants to transform us into himself. I think the what happens in the process of repentance that allows us to become more like Jesus or to become another Christ in this world. And um, I think the that whole idea of Ezekiel 37, he he wants to uh, give us a new heart and he wants to plant a new spirit in us, right? So he wants to transform our heart and he wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we see the same thing echoed in Joel 2 and Joel chapter 3, where Joel, hmm. he says, even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger, abounding in love. So he he, he throws this out in, in Joel 2, right? And then mm-hmm. in Joel 3... He starts talking about the Holy Spirit that when we repent and we have we we rend our hearts, we rip open our hearts, and we we see Him. Then He starts prophesying on the coming of the Holy Spirit that yeah. the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. That mm-hmm. uh, the old men will dream dreams and young mm-hmm. men will have visions. And actually, the same words that are in Acts chapter two at Pentecost are echoed, if you will, uh, they're, they're, from Joel chapter three. They're quoted. Yeah. yeah right. So one, you know, someone always says Lou Engel. He always says that Joel two. Uh, precedes Acts to uh, Acts to right mm-hmm. that we receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we rip open our hearts first, and the Lord wants to start this process of transformation through yeah. this idea of rending our hearts. Aaron, what does it mean to like like rend your heart, or what comes to mind? I actually did a little research. On oh that. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now we were talking before the show. Uh, there's a great scholarly article written on the rending of the hearts in Scripture, but uh, it's funny, you know. Uh, the the idea of rending your garments um, it refers back to it that that what we wear on the outside reflects our interior assignment our interior yeah. disposition so especially in ancient Israel you know you you see how um, in in Exodus when when the Lord is taking such diligent care to communicate what the construction and design of the temple mm-hmm. and the articles of clothing that the priests will wear it's because it's because what what is reflected on the outside should be a reflection of our interior mm-hmm. priority. Mm-hmm. So, um, in scripture, in, in ancient times, like in in Israel tradition, Israelite tradition, when you when you rend your garments, it's actually a sign of I'm I'm tearing open the deepest part of me mm-hmm. to actually allow the Lord to do the work. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of it's kind of gross and messy, but but like 
when when you require heart surgery, your chest has to be yeah, opened. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I say. When I hear rend your heart, that's exactly what I picture. This idea of ripping open the chest and your heart. Yeah. Well, it exposes something, right? Like whenever whenever I rend my garments or my heart, it exposes something that 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 would be vulnerable to expose. Yep. Right. And I, I think that that's that's the beauty of repentance is that it actually teaches us that with the Lord, when we expose the most vulnerable places of ourselves, yeah. he shows up, he's tender, he's caring, and he does good work. Yeah. And I think that that's super important because like, the reality is when I rend something and when I rid myself of something, something else will take up residence there. Yep. Jesus talks about that in the gospels, right? That we need to be careful when we, when we deliver someone of one demon to make sure that the Holy Spirit is the one that comes yeah. in behind that, that actually like, a vacant place will be filled by something mm -hmm. and we want it to be filled by yeah. the Lord. And so when we open that in repentance, we can be sure that the Lord and his promise mm -hmm. will fill that vacancy with his Holy spirit, because we always use that language, like um, that the Lord wants to reside within us, that the Lord wants to take up residence in us, that the Lord is alive inside of you. What does any of that mean? Well, yeah. that means that I've actually made a place available to him yeah. and he's come up and take residence and taken residence there and yeah. that so it requires this like opening and this ridding so that there's space and capacity for him which has to happen every time we pray yes yeah repentance yes. isn't like okay i repented and now i'm done it's right. literally like repented every that time, one time yeah when i go to prayer i'm opening my heart and i'm i'm being exposed lord what's what what hasn't been purified yes. yet yeah. what hasn't been cleansed what hasn't been and and as we go deeper into the heart of god the lord actually reveals more mm -hmm. in in ourselves that needs to be transformed i love jesus it's like in the sermon of the Mount, it's so beautiful what happens in the Gospels. That Jesus, he, the Sermon on the Mount is all about saying it, uh, it's on a mountaintop, just like Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Now, Mount mm -hmm. Sinai is where where they received the law, right? Which was a gift from God. And now Jesus is coming to fulfill the law. And, and what he does is he just really echoes Joel 2 and Ezekiel 37, where he, he takes the law and he, he he makes it all about the heart. That mm -hmm. it's, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with a lustful eye, you've already committed adultery yeah. in your heart. And he says that over and over again, you've heard it said, it, the, the law says this, the behavior says this. Uh, but that's, he's like, that, but that's, that's not what, but I say to you. That's uh, the letter. Yeah, Here's like, the spirit. Yeah, I'm not after the law. Like I'm not after just the behavior. I'm after the transformed heart. And yeah, uh, and I that he's he's just diving into how can I help you transform your heart. And yep. then he even echoes that even more with like the Pharisees, right? Like I always feel bad for the Pharisees. It's like what, like, like man, they were like trying their like they were like like trying sure. to keep the law, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Jesus just at them. But I think the reason he was at them wasn't because they were just fixated on the yeah. law, because Joseph was fixated on the no, law. The like law Joseph the law was a righteous matters. man, right? Jesus yes. was a righteous man, and so the righteousness meant that you followed the law. So if we call Joseph a righteous man, like as we do in the Gospels, he was following the law. Well, the difference between Joseph and the Pharisee was Joseph's heart was also pure. Why he followed are you following, the, following law. the law? Yeah. Why? And the Pharisees, he calls them whitewashed tombs. He says you're dead and decaying on the inside, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. there, the the inside was was this death. 
but on the outside you are clean, yeah. right? And you're just a yeah. whitewashed tomb. Why did we whitewash churches if Jesus? Just just a quick like aside in like, the sixties, like yeah, like oh gosh, Jesus, the, uh, Jesus says that whitewashed there. tombs. I'm just saying, like uh, anyway, because uh, but, for some reason we st- we stopped liking sacred art in the sixties. Stop, <laughs> yeah, stop. But no, I, I do. I think the reason so I want to bring that up, so hard. But the reason I want to bring that up is because it, it's it's actually the majesty on the inside that reflects something profound. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the majesty on the inside that um, I, I think I've used this analogy in, in either on this podcast or in a talk. But regardless, Nina, my wife and I, we just bought a house and like there were so many houses we looked at and so many of the houses were like beautiful on the outside. But you go inside and it's like, what happened in yeah. here? You know, and then there were other ones that were like on the outside. It was like, what? And then you go <laughs> inside and it's like, this is beautiful. Yeah. And I, I began realizing like, whoa, it's actually really important. Um, for a house to be beautiful on the outside and the inside <laughs> to at least be congruent, right? Like, and I think that, like, to your point, Jesus is getting the so same many thing. times. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is the perfect house on the outside, perfect. but the inside. Inside, like, it's like, well, I don't think so, actually. Yeah. And I, I do think there's something about that. And again, whether we're talking about like sacred art or we're talking about like the purchasing of a house or we're talking about our spiritual life, yeah. like, if if I'm not answering that question, why? Then I really yeah. should start asking it. Like what? Why? Like so? I'm praying a daily rosary. That's amazing. That act itself is so good, and there's grace even in the act alone, right? Yet, at the same time, when I answer that why, the graces multiply exponentially. Yeah. Right. Because I'm all of a sudden now putting my heart into this. It's not just a, a an action that I was told that I should do, but it's an action that I'm choosing for this reason unto the Lord. Yeah. Repentance very similarly. Like, why am I repenting? Yeah. I would even say that. Like, I because I think we repent every mass. Mm-hmm. Every mass I go in, and I like like I the, it's the first thing. It's not the first thing. It's one of the first things yeah, we penitential do. Penitential rights, right? Penitential right, at the right, yeah. right at the beginning, right? And and I think that um <laughs> when we do that. Like let's let's do well to ask ourselves before mass why am I doing this? The, the reason that we do it at the mass is so that I can fully partake in the mass, that I can rid myself. Yep. So that so I can the Lord in. can take up yeah. a new place. It was actually Somewhere this past Sunday, Father I was preaching on the prodigal son, yeah. and uh, his homily started. I, I, it was such a great start. He's like. Uh, um, who was who was the good son and who was the bad son in this story? And uh, he said, basically, if you look at behavior, you would say, well, the prodigal son, of course, was the bad son, and he returns back to the father. Um, but he said, actually, in the story, the way it's manifested, the 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 son's heart, the prodigal son's heart, is transformed, and he returns, he repents, and comes home. And the good son, it went. In the sign of someone else's goodness, the evil within him is manifested. Right, the the yeah. jealousy, the the envy, the uh, the lack of feeling loved by the father. All of this comes out, and it was like, well, the 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 older son's behavior was perfect, right, all all of his life, mm-hmm. and yet his heart had not yet been healed. And this, mm-hmm. just, I think, it just echoes back as to like the. Repentance is such a gift. Like yeah. and like the the older son, I I just said it was filled with mercy for him on Sunday because it was like, man, like he his heart hasn't even been transformed yet. He's doing all the right things, but his heart yeah. hasn't been touched yet by the Father's love. And um and just this idea of like like 
it's so sad because so many of our young people grow up in a church where we teach them the behaviors and we never touch to their heart. And then you end up, they end up leaving because they're like, well, it's just all about the law and it's the, they haven't had a transformed lifestyle. So I, I wonder if like, just to make the show a little bit more valuable for us, mm-hmm. uh, could we rend open our hearts for a little bit right now and just talk about like, what is, what happens in the heart? Right. And, um, I was thinking that the heart is is it, it's a place for devotion and a place of decision, right? And I think we should just reflect on like, okay, what happens in the heart if we're called to rend it, to rip it open? What what is the devotion there, right? And I think the w- when we think about the heart as a place of devotion, we do two things in the heart, right? We we shape idols, like we we create. Um, uh, we create those things to fill us, right? And we get, uh, and then secondly, we give worth to things. It's a, it, it, we, it, it's a worth giver. So the heart will shape idols as a place of devotion and worship. It chooses what am I going to worship? Which uh, is it an idol or is it the one true God? And once I choose that, then I start. I giving. I give worth to it. I give value to it, and ultimately, I give worship to it. And um, the, what are some of the idols that can can actually be? formed in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So many, um, I don't know when you were saying that, what was coming to my mind is just that like, I, I think it's important for our, um, our church today to really analyze. And by church, I don't mean like mother church. I mean like the people in the church to, to analyze, like, what am I giving primary worth to? Yeah. You know, because like idol worship, I D O L is idol worship. Mm. I D L E. It doesn't go, go anywhere. It doesn't go, go anywhere. <laughs> and and like divine worship is dynamic worship. It mm-hmm. actually it goes somewhere. Yeah. And it, it it actually like moves us forward. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is like anything you see in your life that you get hung up on, I would like to invite you to consider the possibility that there's an idol there. Yeah. Because because whenever I worship an idol, I am idol, right? Like I, I'm not moving somewhere. So when, if I'm getting hung up on something, like my reputation, or if I'm getting hung up on something, like the way that someone is, I don't know, interacting with me or something like that, if I'm stuck in that place, yeah. if I'm not able to move to forgiveness, if I'm not able to move, I think that's a good initial litmus test. Yep. It's like whenever I, whenever I actually give my attention to this thing, does it move me forward or does it get me stuck, Yeah. right? And if we can actually have that self-analysis, I think we can begin getting at idols. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just giving that as the foundation because there's plenty of those things in my life. Like I, I still think there's a huge idol for me of like self of um, no, probably not self, but like per like the perception of others. Yeah. Like how do people perceive me? Like yeah. I want to be in control of how someone sees me, how they would analyze me, how they would label me. Yeah. And because it's a losing battle. And because exactly. It's, it's a losing battle. And not only is it a losing battle, but it's also an um it's also a rejection of maybe one of the greatest gifts that God gives us, which is a permanent identity. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to I don't have to fall into this like chaos regularly. Like the Lord provides an eternal identity unto me. Yeah. And that's actually the stable place by which I can then move. But when I get stuck in this, like, I wonder what Aaron's thinking about what I'm saying right now. I wonder what Dan's thinking yeah. about what I'm saying right now. Like, that's not a necessarily a bad first thought, but then where does that go? Is it like, well, I actually want to learn more about this. Okay, that's movement. That's good. But if it's like, I just wonder how they're perceiving me. Yeah. Now I'm getting stuck. That, yeah. again, just in my own life, when I analyze my life and when I examine my life at the end of the day, that's usually where yeah. I see it is if I'm getting stuck, 
There's probably an idol somewhere close to this place. If I'm moving. Yes, yeah, so the heart being this place of devotion. I think we ascribe we ascribe worth to something, and then mm-hmm. from that worth we make it an idol. And mm-hmm. if I give worth, what I huh. my litmus test is often if um, <clears throat> if uh, what what am I thinking of when I wake up first thing in the morning, and what mm-hmm. am I thinking of when I go to sleep at night? And if it's mm-hmm. not the Lord, then there's an idol in my life. And mm-hmm. so if I wake up first thing and I'm thinking of my schedule, I have allowed my schedule and my my work to become an idol mm-hmm. um, because the mm-hmm. the first fruit seek first the kingdom yep. of God. If my mind the uh, uh, the rising is directed towards something other than God, mm-hmm. um, and so that that's that's a place of repentance for me. That as I see uh, and I've trained my mind in the morning to think of him yeah. first. I've trained my mind at night to 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 think of him first, but but when I I know that when I I've, I've got something out of order in my heart and I'm giving too much worth to something in the world, if when I awake it it comes to my well, mind first. Well, even good first. things, right? So yeah. like the church would teach that work is a good thing. Yeah. Productivity is a good thing. Yeah. Family's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And but if that's on my mind right when I wake up and I'm not giving that over to the Lord. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like when a child jumps on top of you, maybe the first sure. thing is, oh, yes, sure. But, but, <laughs> my no, stomach. but even the, but even the, jo- but even the joy of that, I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. my body has become my idol because uh, no. I don't want to protect my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know the, the Lord, like, um, he says, offer your first fruit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So e- e- even like, I, I guess what would you, I, I'll ask you that. So like, like, um, in, in that litmus test, like, if, if there, I'm presuming that would be your answer, right? Like if, if something does come to your mind and you offer it to the Lord, you're, you're offering him even the first thought on your mind. I think it's more of my evaluation. So, um, uh, when I'm getting ready for the day, I, I go like, I do a, a brief evaluation or examination. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, was, was the Lord present in my morning or did I immediately go into task and into my mind drift? And if it did, then that's my moment of repentance of like, shoot, I haven't ordered my day towards the, the mm-hmm. ultimate end. And, mm-hmm. and so and then, then you can actually evaluate. Okay, actually, is there a reason I didn't order my day? Like, was I was I unprepared, and that's why? You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and or, or have I? Am I just thinking? I mean, <clears throat> this weekend I was kind of my mind and my heart were consumed with household chores, right? Yeah. And it was like on Sunday morning I realized. I woke up more eager for household chores than I woke up for Sunday mass. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. And a Sunday mass, even at the very beginning of mass, I was thinking like, man, I can't wait to pump out my chore list. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what is going on? You know? <laughs> and at the penitential rite, I was like, whoa, like yeah. I am disordered right yeah, now that yeah. my, my passions are giving an invalid worth to something mm-hmm. that is, a, a, that could become an idol. Mm-hmm. And you, you, if you do that habitually without that constant return, return, mm-hmm. return, yeah. then that idol gets, if, if I get give worth to worldly things slowly. It's not like you start worshiping your house immediately, right? But it becomes an idol mm-hmm. if I do that over and over That's and over good. again. I don't keep it in perspective. We, we maybe jumping the gun here too, but I mean, you, you, your heart is formed by by discipline as well. Yeah. So so the two things walk hand in hand. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if there, there may be somebody listening today who's thinking to themselves like, okay, Dan wakes up and the first thing he thinks about is like uh, a discipline of of god where's my mind where's my heart like that that sounds that sounds a little beyond maybe where yeah. i'm at right now or whatever yeah. like what's a great way to start is to establish a discipline i did this a couple of years ago and it's it's been transformative because it's no longer a temptation for me like when i get up in the morning i don't pick up my phone and look at the news i don't pick up my phone and look at financials right i don't pick up the phone yeah. and read my email yeah i i pick up my phone 
And well, if I pick up my phone, the first thing I do is I turn on my my prayer commitment. Yep. Right? Like let let that be the first influence in your day. Give your first fruits in discipline to the yep. Lord yeah. to see your heart be transformed. Yeah. Well, and you said before bed too, one thing I started, it was actually when I was a missionary here at Damascus. And I, I think we just um, we have desires in our life to be excellent, to be great, to do all these things. And all that's good. It's, it's actually funny. I was sitting down with a, a mission partner of mine, someone who um, supports me and my mission at Damascus prayerfully and financially. And we were having lunch together. And um, and he he gave this amazing piece of wisdom that I want to bring back to kind of the, the idea of thinking about the Lord before you go to sleep. He was like, Brad, it seems to me like in your life, you have a really good tenacity at getting after your to-do list. You really want to see those things accomplished. You really want to see them done. And he, he said, there was a revelation I had a while ago, and I want to share it with you today. And that's this, that whenever you get to your last day and you die, when you, when you close your eyes, the to-do list will not be done. <laughs> yeah. And, and he said, you're going to go before the father. And what I want to invite you to is a disposition of, of not feeling like you failed because there was still more left to do, mm -hmm. but rather how much effort you gave to the things you were able to do. Mm -hmm. And it was just this like sweet analysis for me of like, man. And it, it brought me back in this conversation, that quote to thinking about my second year on mission here at Damascus. I was like, we're going to do so many amazing things. The Lord's going to do all these things through the missionary program. And, but before I would go to sleep at night, I, I wouldn't be able to get to sleep because yeah. things would come up on my mind and I would even wake up in the middle of the night and I don't do this very often, but in this season I would. And I'd be like, whoa, I'm like thinking I'm going to miss something or something like that. Yeah. And so the Lord in that season actually invited me to do something I still discipline myself to do in seasons where I, I'm really full. And that's that I actually keep a note beside my bed with a pen. Mm -hmm. And if something comes to mind, I, I write it down as an offering to the Lord. I say, Lord, I'm actually I'm actually going to rest tonight, yep. and this is yours, and this is yours, mm -hmm. and this is yours. And then when I wake up in the morning and I see that note, I can say, Lord, all of these things being yours at night are also yours in the yeah. day, but help me partake in them to the best ability I can today. And that like offering, again, this offering, yeah. this understanding, like repentance is is it actually does tie into tithing like you were saying yeah. it's an offering yeah like i offer a resource what am i offering the resource of my heart yeah. i'm offering you space yeah. so i rip open my heart and i see that the heart is a place of devotion and so the question uh the primary question of repentance is what what do i give worth to and whatever yeah. i give worth mm -hmm. to i ultimately worship and so mm -hmm. if i'm giving an in an unbalanced worth to anything in my life mm -hmm. i yeah. i become it becomes an idol and i start to worship it can i toss another idea out yeah there? um you know you, you spoke dan about about ordering and discipline and i just want i want to speak to kind of a maybe another lens on how yeah. people might experience this mm -hmm. Um, and that is just like through our own heart and emotion. Yeah. Um, one of the, you know, oftentimes I think that an, like an, an idol is the lens through which I experience the the world and the Lord. Hmm. So as as I go through my day, like when I when I feel something, take my peace. Hmm. That that's that's the sign for me. Yeah. That that something has like something has a hold mm -hmm. of lordship over my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know. If that's uh, provision for my housing situation next year, yeah. if that's if that's the um, the the state of the financial markets in the world, like yeah. when whenever I hear news that causes my heart to skip a beat, um, or yeah. or causes yeah. anxiety to rise in yeah. me, like that that's probably an indication that there's yeah. that there's 
some imbalance mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of lordship and, yeah. and where yeah. my priorities place. Well, and it reminds me of the sinning of the seventy two, where where Jesus says that you'll you'll go into houses, and when you go there, wish your peace upon the house. If the peace remains there, then remain there with it. If the peace it, it, if the peace is not received, let it return to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I actually need to in my life be aware of where that peaceful state's at. And we know this. Like we label it in society all the time now as anxiety. Like like so many people are like I'm, I'm anxious, and it's like okay, well let's get to a place where actually we're. we're discerning yeah. peaceful states. Like, well, where is that coming from? And like, yeah. and, and there's so many amazing counseling resources for that. And of course the Lord as the wonder counselor, like the, the Lord wants to counsel that wonder too, because anxiety like is an overwhelming sense of how many things I have to wonder about. Yeah. Right. And, hmm. and letting the Lord like begin to discipline me on like, okay, Lord, I don't have peace right now. Where, where is a hmm. root for that? Where is a place for that? Right, exactly what you're talking about, Aaron. I think that is, I, love I mean, that. Jesus gave that to the seventy-two. Like yeah. we should, we should do well, well to, to take the, that to, to ourselves. To see that as an idol, I think is really important. Yeah, because I'm giving worth to something, and it's actually called. It's taking away the what God intends. Taking for my Jesus life. off the throne of my heart. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I'll return to that. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, it's to your point, Dan. On like this, <laughs> this return. Like we've heard this a million times. Don't return to an empty well. Yeah. Well, every idol is an empty well. Yeah. So every single time I return and I see that my stocks are up. If I return the next day and they're down, then it's a different response. It's like I'm returning to the wrong thing, yeah. or or if I'm uh, I'm well, I guess if I'm returning to the news, I'm almost never getting positive information, you know. <laughs> um, but no, there is something to that idea of repentance, idolization, worship, because how how do I know that I need to repent whenever what I'm returning to is, is something other than the Lord? Like whenever I need solace, or I need comfort, or I need peace, or I need strength or I need courage. If I'm not making that yeah. mile marker the Lord, then I, I probably have something to repent. Yesterday I was teaching about the missionaries about Teresa of Avila's uh, mansions the, the, in the interior castle, and she talks about how the seventh mansion is the place where God dwells, the innermost chamber of, of the soul. And as, as, the, as the soul makes a journey, uh, I mean, as, as the person makes a journey uh, into the innermost chamber of their soul, the seventh mansion where God dwells, she speaks of that, of course, as spiritual marriage. And she says, when, when you have this spiritual marriage with the beloved, um, no matter what is happening in the external world, um, no matter what, what trials, suffering, whatever you face, there's this inner tranquility and peace that, yeah. uh, and, and, and even a joy. And it's amazing because I think the mm-hmm. martyrs, you, you read the, the lives of the martyrs and they're, it's like their, their fingers are being cut off and their toes are being bitten and their bodies being burnt and they're, mm-hmm. they have lacerations all over and yet they're still worshiping God. And I think it's because they've gotten to a place where they, they are in the inner chambers of the spiritual marriage with the Lord, where there is so much peace that it's as, as if they have given no worth at all to the things, the suffering, mm-hmm. the the financial markets, the whatever it is, whatever's happening, the opinions of others, whatever's happening mm-hmm. in the world, it's just it has no worth and value anymore. Yeah. Only only the matter yeah. of the heart, uh, which is really beautiful. So, Aaron, you jumped in this. So it's a place of devotion, and then it's also a place of decision. Yeah. And so this is the really neat thing about the heart. The heart is, I think, a lot of times in our modern world we speak so much, even in the church right now, we're speaking so much about inner healing and the heart needs healed and transformed and there's wounds in the heart, which is 
it's true and, and, and valuable to reflect on, but the heart's also powerful, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. there is something amazing about how like the human heart, when a mother or a father gives birth to a child, they have the capacity to to love this child so intensely mm-hmm. and make insane self-sacrifices for this new child. That yeah. the, the heart is a place of decision where I can decide like I'm going to change my life. I can decide that I'm going to make self-sacrifice. And that the heart isn't this weak, like uh, broken thing, but it's actually a powerful instrument by which when my devotion's in the right place, then I can decide what I'm going to sacrifice for. Uh, I just wonder what, what is the, what are the sacrifices? How does repentance and the Mm -hmm. idea of the heart being a place of decision and self-sacrifice tie in? Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, it's funny. We, 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 we like to, um, kind of step away from like a workspace mentality thinking that if I just do the tasks that I'm going to come up empty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's not at the same time, that's not always the message that we see in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite examples of this is, is Matthew 25. Like when, when Jesus separates the, the people at the end of time, like the sheep from the, from the goats mm-hmm. and, and the sheep people say like, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When yeah. did we see you thirsty mm-hmm. and give you drink? Like mm-hmm. it, that's, that's indicating that their heart nece- wasn't necessarily oriented mm-hmm. towards service of the Lord, mm-hmm. yet it was still oriented towards service and mm-hmm. the Lord met them there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when, when we come into a place of, of it's, it's a both and, you know, of course, typically, of course, yeah, <laughs> typically of, of like that my discipline actually leads me into a, into a receptivity of relationship mm-hmm. that when I, when I live my life from a place right. of self-sacrifice, it's mm-hmm. then that I, I approach this, this purity of heart that allows mm-hmm. me to see the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, and it's just as valuable as, mm-hmm. as seeing the Lord and then being prompted mm-hmm. to service. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, uh, certainly there's, there's, there's room for, disorder yeah. in, mm-hmm. in how we do this. But yeah, di- I mean, discipline is critically necessary yeah. in the life of a Christian. Well, and it begins us through, it begins us through, as Teresa would say, through, through the, like through the progress, through the mansions, right? That like actually me making that decision, yeah. it might not be coming from a place of the seventh mansion, but it's coming from a place that God can work with to take me deeper into who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that same thing I was saying about the rosary. Like it is good in and of itself yeah, to bingo. pray the rosary. Yep. Yet at the same time, we can also say that as my heart is formed more and more into what I'm doing in praying the rosary, there will be so much more available there yeah. for me. So exactly, it's both and there. And our, and our temptation is to is to sometimes be like, okay, I've graduated from a lesser thing now to a greater of course, thing. Of uh, course. Brad, you and I were joking about this the other day. Like I, I saw Brad walking in, into the chapel with the Liturgy of the Hours books. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't seen you carry your liturgy book in, in a long time. Like five years, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh it's just so beautiful. It's like, yeah, you know, there may, when I was in high school, I had, I had an immense dedication to the Liturgy of the Hours. I prayed it every day, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't even say that I knew Jesus closely in mm-hmm. relationship yet. Mm-hmm. And there was like a moment where I came into relationship with him. I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, man, all this old Liturgy of the Hours stuff, like that's for, <laughs> that's for wimps. Now, <laughs> now, now I've got this, come now, the Holy the Spirit. Spirit. now I've got this deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And, and you know what? Guess what? Uh, whether it's a week or six months or, or a yes. year or two in yeah. and, and the Lord Jesus says, okay, like now we've, now we've approached a place of intimacy. Guess what? Yeah. I've got, I've got right. something else to teach right. you. Yeah. Well, it seems discipline. to me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and it seems to me too. And I, I think, um, 
Yeah, I have one thought off of that, and then and then a thought off of what you were saying, Dan is like, and then hey, another thought off. Of that <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm trying <laughs> to keep them in. I'm trying to keep them in order. In my head. No, 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 no. But no, it's, see, it seems to me though that like our our process of repentance and of relationship with the Lord is always a returning to what was at the beginning. Yeah. So every time we feel like we graduated, it's actually amazing for me to see how the Lord, every time I take a step in my walk with him actually returns me to something. Yep. It's, it's almost as if in the process of faith, I'm, I'm going back to the beginning. So he'll bring back the rosary into my life and the liturgy of the hours and all these amazing things that I once did. I don't know, some somewhat in blind faith again, that that's, Oh, I'm not saying that that's bad, but now like as I'm opening it and I'm reading the Psalms and even chant, chanting it, like just interiorly, just like, oh my goodness, this is powerful. Like this morning prayer psalm is insane. And like just the way that the Lord continues to bring us back to himself. And then from that place too, I think to your um, previous point, Dan, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. So it could be said that every decision I'm making vocally is coming from a place in my heart. Yep. And what is my heart full of? Yeah. Like when I make a decision, when I make the decision to speak to Aaron or to Dan in a particular way, whether it's strong or indifferent or whatever, like what is filling my heart that brings me to speak that Mm -hmm. way and make that decision or to say yes or no, or, or all the other things. I mean, life is choices, right? That's what, um, is it Matthew Kelly that says that? Yeah. yeah. Um, life is choices. I think that's, that's really (laughs) accurate. And, and within that life being choices, those choices are best understood as, decisions that come from the fullness of the heart, whether good, bad, in between. Well, I think, so in Ezekiel 37, the Lord promises to give us a new heart and a new spirit. And what happens is the, so the heart being this profound place of decision and self-sacrifice, I can actually make a decision that I am turning away from this behavior and I, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And, hmm. and I think sometimes we look to like Mary Magdalene or Paul and these great uh, Augustine, these great mm-hmm. saints who had uh, radical conversions. And w- we just, we just focus on the grace, right? Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like Mary Magdalene, she was, so, she encountered the love of Jesus so much, but Mary Magdalene made a decision that day too mm-hmm. to walk away from the relationships that, that caused the near occasion of sin and mm-hmm. to, to form a whole new lifestyle. She mm-hmm. walked into a, mm-hmm. a new community of relationships mm-hmm. and Paul made a decision to own up to the mistakes <laughs> that he had made and to realize, shoot, I'm, I'm no longer called to be a Jew, right? Like yeah. I was a Jewish leader. I'm actually, I'm leaving a place of leadership and authority amongst the Jewish people. And I'm going to go and live in Damascus for three years. With as, this vagabond as, group. Yeah, yeah, with this this crazy group of Christians and study <laughs> with them, right? Yeah. That I, the man on top became the man on the bottom. And the, mm-hmm. the, these profound decisions were made. And, and, and those decisions allowed repentance to, to follow, right? Mm-hmm. That it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was their heart was transformed and the, the worth and the idols were shifted. Um, but then the decisions were made to yeah. actually lead to a transformed lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is it's impossible when the decisions are simply through my own willpower. So if I try mm-hmm. to make a decision like, I'm not doing that anymore, I'm done with that. I'm going to fight through this. Like when it's willpowered, <laughs> it at, will fail. It will fail 100% <laughs> yes. because I can't live the law by myself. That was exactly yes. what Jesus came to t- yes. teach us. Well, right? you're returning to yourself. Yeah. I'm returning to me 
who isn't strong enough, I have to be returning yeah. to the Lord. So the heart is transformed, but it's not enough to have a new heart. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 we also need a new spirit because it's the spirit's power. I'll clothe you with power. I'll give you a new power, right? That, that it's the mm-hmm. spirit's power that actually enables the heart to make true on its own desires. And and so this idea that Joel 2, he pro, he says, you have to rend your hearts, right? And then in Joel 3 says, and then the Lord will pour out a, a, the Spirit upon all flesh. Yeah. And, and a church that's only concerned about behaviors but isn't concerned about the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, it it, it forms a people who strive to live a repentance that's based off of willpower as opposed mm-hmm. to spirit power. And that is simply slavery. Willpower mm-hmm. spirituality is slavery. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the law. It's exactly what Jesus Christ came to free us from. Mm-hmm. Spirit-powered spirituality is freedom. It's grace. It's mercy. It's an understanding that I can do all things through Christ who empowers yep. me. Yep. And, and and our preaching and our teaching mm-hmm. and the way we pass on the faith has to be so careful here that it's it's this return to the lord with Mm -hmm. all of your heart with with the weeping with fasting and be filled with the holy spirit so that you actually have the power to accomplish the lifestyle that you desire to live yeah yeah Yeah. and and what's what's so i think what's so difficult is oftentimes the works could even look the same yeah yeah right that Mm -hmm. that you could have Mm -hmm. you could have Two, For sure. two individuals who are standing side by side who both have an equally disciplined life of, mm-hmm. of prayer or even behavior, mm-hmm. and one's operating in the spirit and one's operating from the flesh, mm-hmm. right? Right. And and praise the Lord for mercy. Like he can he can use both, mm-hmm. but man, there's a better way. Yeah. yeah. And I and I love the mercy too because in Joel too, right? That he's merciful, that he's slow to anger, like all the things that come from us rending our hearts. Um, it, it's actually like an invitation for us to see the Lord rightly. Like the Lord, the Lord, I just think it's important for all listening and for us at this table too. Like repentance is a daily decision mm-hmm. because it is so often that there are things that, that accompany me. Like, like you use Paul and Augustine, Augustine has that famous prayer, right? Like, Lord, make me a saint, but not yet. Like there's these things in my life, Lord, yeah. that are hard to let go of right now. Yep. And, and I have repented once, but I'm going to keep repenting until you fully change my mind yep. until you fully turn my gaze unto you. Uh, Paul with the, with the thorn in his side, like, like, Lord, I'm going to keep returning to you, even with this thing that's plaguing me that I, I would love to be rid of. Like, Again, I'm not saying the Lord can't do something miraculous in a moment and free you from that. But if something does accompany you after you feel like you really have repented, welcome to the litany of saints <laughs> and, and, and allow yourself to go back to him yep. knowing that he's merciful, that he's slow to anger and abounding in kindness. Yeah. And then we can really get traction in the spirit. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Daily, daily repentance back to mm-hmm. him and transformation and, and the and the beautiful thing is the more I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the more I'm able to repent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In John 16, and the Lord says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness. That it's the Holy Spirit is actually it's as I grow in the spiritual mm-hmm. life and as the Holy as I grow in the the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, He just continues to convict my heart of more, right? And I love the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's just like when I'm uh, when I'm truly filled with the Holy Spirit. All that comes out of me is peace, love, joy, gentleness, joy, like generosity, patience. patience. Yeah. yeah, it's just this incredible litany of amazing things, and it's just mm-hmm. not what comes out. Like w- what comes out of me has to be in me, right? Mm-hmm. Like a an apple tree produces apples, and so mm-hmm. a, a spirit filled person produ- produces the fruits of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and and that's the transformed lifestyle, and that's the beauty of repentance. That's when we that we can say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. At through repentance. 
ultimately the kingdom of God is manifested in my own interior life and mm-hmm. is manifested outside of yep. my life. It's the fruit that flows forth that I become the mm-hmm. kingdom, mm-hmm. that the kingdom, all the fruits of the kingdom are in me and all the fruits of the kingdom yeah. are coming out yeah. of me. Can, can we pray? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got like this burning on my heart to just intercede for uh, for people who are listening to today's show. I think, I think guys, we've, we've set uh, a lot of really... Um, beautiful foundations today. And I feel, you know, my prayer at the kick, at the kickoff of the show was that our listeners would experience conviction. Mm-hmm. And my sense is that uh, for, for many people who are, who are listening to today's show that, that you're experiencing conviction mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. as, 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 as even as we've been speaking, I mean, my heart's feeling conviction that mm-hmm. Lord, there are things in my life that I'm doing by my own strength and I, I can only succeed in these things through the power of your spirit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's for it's for this that we intercede. Um, so mm-hmm. so let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Holy Spirit, you convict our hearts. You convict our hearts toward toward righteousness, away from sin and toward righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship with you. Let mm-hmm. us exist in right relationship with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that that every area of our lives that you've exposed today in the course of our conversation where we are tempted to rely on ourselves, to work from our own strength, um, to, uh, to work our own direction, to work from a place of control, uh, Jesus, that, that, you would, that you would become Lord. Um, Lord Jesus, we, we, we make a commitment of our, of our heart right now. Take those things off the throne of our hearts so that you mm-hmm. might reside there. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Mm-hmm. Give us mm-hmm. the strength and resolve to see you rightly placed. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I, I pray specifically for all those listening who you've given an incredible gift of being in tune with their conscience to. Yes, I, I pray, Lord, that anyone listening today and anyone throughout the course of their life who in that, in that spirit of being... Um, in tune with their conscience, when they feel guilt, Lord, I pray that you would show them how repentance is actually the gift that frees them from that. Mm. That anytime they feel guilt, Lord, that they don't have to carry that and allow that to shape how they see themselves, but rather, Lord, that the gift of repentance allows us to take that guilt that the conscience is instructing us towards, and it allows us to give it back to you so that we can actually live in freedom Mm -hmm. and live in a way that moves forward and doesn't stay stagnant. So Lord, anyone listening today who has a conscience that's active and a conscience that they're incredibly in tune with that leads to guilt at times, we pray, Lord, that they wouldn't hold on to that guilt, but that they would give that over to you, seeing that you work all things for good for those who love you. Yeah, Thank I'm really, you. I'm just convicted right now that um, there's some people who have, uh, they've been really frustrated with other people's behaviors and you want to see a transformed lifestyle for them. And the Lord's just mm-hmm. saying, become like me and their life will be transformed. And just Joel to the Lord saying, Return to the Lord your God, for gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger and abounding in love. Lord, I just pray for whoever's heart isn't gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding by love, that you would allow our hearts to be transformed so we could love like you love. Mm -hmm. Um, Those who need repentance, that we would love them with a gracious and merciful heart, that we would be slow to anger and abounding in love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. We want to thank our partner, St. Gabriel Radio, for uh, enabling this podcast. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we want you to share it with others. This is Beyond Damascus. You can find 
find it wherever podcasts are found. Like, share, subscribe, do whatever you do with podcasts uh, so that we can transform more lives through this awesome uh, message. And brothers and sisters, just thank you so much. We'll be back next week talking about the power of the cross.